You are listening to the Amen Corner, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. For more information about the Amen Corner, please follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and all your other favorite social media. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 10 of the Amen Corner. He's Stephen Cook. And he's still Brad Rothschild. Still am. <laughs> How's it going? And, you know, it's like you see anybody, you're like, how you doing? They're like, what, what am I supposed to say to that? <laughs> exactly. That's everybody's reaction. Like Everybody's like, oh, I got nothing that. to say, right? Well, certainly, certainly Jewish people are right. like, oh, no, you know. We went to a... Went to a belated Hanukkah celebration yeah. last night, and you know, yeah, you mentioned you mentioned to me you're like, oh, we went to a Hanukkah party last night. And I'm thinking, you know, Hanukkah's over, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, our, I'm sorry. <laughs> our, our host said our host wanted to light candles, though. They said like it's technically a violation, but we're all together, so well, there's no violation if there's no holiday. You're just lighting candles, right? So, but we sang Hanukkah songs. Anyway, okay, like that. that's so, that's all good. The host Go was on. saying like, you know, like it's hard to it's hard to feel that kind of Joy. Joyous yeah. thing. So we're lighting yeah. candles out of resilience and so on and so forth. And then comes, you know, news today of um, bomb threats at synagogues all across the United States. My yeah. my sister-in-law is uh, like, I don't know what her exact title is, but she's an, an executive director or something. You know, she like runs the place kind of thing at a synagogue outside of Atlanta. And she's had, had police there bomb squad, dogs, the whole nine yards today. And then my mother-in-law said that there's been a wave of this in Boston. And then like a, apparently across the South. So, And then, of course, there was Friday's news of the three Israeli captives who were killed in a by Israeli soldiers. Right. They call a friendly fire. Right. Friendly about well, you it. know that um, – 20% of yeah, the Israeli 20%. soldiers who've been killed have been killed yeah. by friendly fire. Yeah. Which and it's goes just, to show how, like, what a free fire zone Gaza is. But it's awful. And right. I mean, like, everybody heard that news and it's just right. like, it just Devastating, keeps getting right? worse. And like, the bottom keeps dropping out from underneath right. us even further and further. And right. it's just bad. Right. And then you wonder, like, well, how much of that 20% number is attributable to the fog of war? Yeah, and how many? How what's the like amount that's attributable to just like bad, like poorly disciplined soldiers? Yeah. Like I don't know. I mean, I, I you'd like to think it's just. I mean, any war, the fog of war yeah. is yeah bizarre or crazy. I mean, this yeah. is nothing. I'm going to say something, and people are going to like roll their eyes, and you're going to be like, "What? Are, what's the fuck's the matter with you?" But I was pre-COVID. Uh-huh. I was at. Uh, a friend's wedding. It was like a whole like weekend long thing. And one of the activities was paintball. Right. And like when you go into action in paintball, it gives you this little glimpse of how fucking chaotic. Okay. <laughs> I got killed almost immediately yeah. in the first game. I just got, I got, I got shot in the head. I didn't see this shit coming. So, um, so the paintball analogy. Yeah, that's the paintball analogy. But the other yeah. thing is, is that also, I think it would be interesting to see. I mean, I think the the bad soldiering thing, you have to see what that, how that compares. Like in in Iraq, in counterterrorism operation, what percentage of American yeah. forces were killed yeah, as a result of friendly fire? You know, in World War II, it's, 
huge numbers of people were killed sure. in friendly fire incidents. I mean, I have been slowly working myself through the, like every year I pick up the books of the, of the liberation trilogy, which is um, the, the books about world war two in, in, in three, obviously it's a trilogy in three books. And I just, I finished about six months ago, the one about the liberation of Italy. I mean, the, the friendly fire incidents, um, the, the thousands of allied soldiers killed as a result of a friendly fire. It's, this is just not an unheard no, the, right. of right. This kind is of what thing. happens in war. This is right. what happens. But then, you know, er, like, I guess two weeks ago, there was an incident where there was a Palestinian who was committing an act of terror right. in Israel. And he was, I'm going to use my air quotes, neutralized by right. an Israeli who then in turn was shot by Israeli soldiers as he put his weapon on the ground, held his hands up and got down on his knees and was screaming at them in Hebrew, right, like, don't right. shoot me. And they shot him and killed him. Right. So I, just, that to me feels like it's a disciplinary Well, I, I suspect that there are a lot of reservists who are trigger happy. Yes, and certainly in the wake of what happened several years ago with the soldier Azaria, oh, right. who, who um, shot a Palestinian, I think it was in Hebron, yes. when he was on the ground, right. completely immobilized by other troops, surrounded right. by other troops, no, and not a threat to anyone. He shot him, killed him, and then got off. Right. No, what I'm saying about trigger happy is these guys are super nervous post-October 7th. I I get it. But, you know, I feel like there's also something to this that if you know that Mm. there's really no consequence for that kind of behavior, then you're going to be more likely to be trigger happy. Right. There's no consequences. I think that the – once again, I think the the coverage of – um, of the conflict is important. I think sometimes it lacks a certain amount of context uh, in terms of historical context, like friendly fire incidents happen in, in, in war, every period, war and period. stuff like that. Yes, absolutely. Um, right. absolutely. You know, the abuse of the abuse of prisoners happens in, in every, every war, yes. every war. Those absolutely true. That's not to excuse it. It's just that like, this is what happens. I mean, war is this existential struggle so, Where there is war, there is crime. There are war crimes. Like that, it's just a fact, and which is so that so that's the unfortunate beat that goes on there. Yeah. Um, I just and then we've all had our own personal struggles this week. God, do you want to start with yours? Hey, you know, broke a rib. <laughs> <sighs> that's smarts. It hurt. I broke a rib doing Krav Maga Monday morning, right at the end of class. All injuries always, always at happen end, right? at the end of class. Right. Uh, and it was nobody's fault. Um, we were doing a drill where you were one person was in the middle of the room and they were being attacked from, you don't know where it's coming from and you were supposed to execute a certain maneuver to get out of it. And shit happens. And somebody's head went into my rib and I immediately, I immediately was like, okay, I'm going to sit down for a minute. Uh, but I honestly, like, you know, I have been hurt in my ribs worse than this right. before. And I didn't think much of it. Right. And then I, after class ended, I was sitting and talking to somebody. And then when I went to stand up, I was like, 
okay, this is a problem. And um, so did you go to urgent care? Did you go to hospital? I, I went later in the day because I was like, all right, you know, I think I'm going to be okay. I'm going right. to tough it out. And then at some point, like, I just got uncomfortable enough that I'm like, let me just see. Well, that's fun. I mean, like with a broken rib, like it can affect your lungs. And now, yeah, but I mean, it was like in the front. It right. wasn't like I could nothing like. Right. You know, the instructor was like, "Did you feel anything crunch? Did you hear a crunch?" I'm like, "No, no." So right. I, I actually I wasn't worried about like a punctured lung. I wasn't worried about like urinating blood, like nothing like that. So, uh, and how yeah, was your I, urgent care experience? And my urgent care experience actually was pretty good. I went, there's an urgent care on 88th and Broadway. Okay. And they do not have an x-ray machine there. So the That's doctor okay. looked at me and he's like, yeah, I'm going to send you over to 104th Street because they have an x-ray there. Right. He handed me a piece of paper. He's like, just give them that when you walk in and I'll take you right away. You don't have to wait in line. Wow. That's Canada-like. I, I mean, let me tell you. So I go to 104th Street. They immediately take me in. They give me x-rays. I walk out. I'm on 102nd Street, and my phone rings, and it's the original doctor who's calling me with the results. No way. I'm, I shit you not. And he's like, yeah, you have a fracture of your eighth rib. I'm like, oh. Okay, what, am, what does that mean? He's like, not much you can do for it other than rest. He's like, I wouldn't do martial arts for a while. I'm like, right. Like, what does a while mean? Like, what are we talking about? Right. They're never specific, man. Oh, no, no. He was specific. But oh, I'm he not was. Gonna, I'm not going like, well, to tell you. No, you listen to your body kind of thing. Well, that's it. I'm listening to my body. So I'm not going to tell you out loud what it is because that way when I go back earlier than what they said, nobody is going to be like, uh, I don't think you should be doing that. Right, right, right. Because Michelle was like, I don't think you should be doing that. Like, <laughs> I'll be fine. And then the reason funny, why. It's funny because then you texted me. You you came home from your travels, which is right. why we didn't have a podcast last weekend. Uh, the following morning, you're like, "I'm back, and I wish I hadn't come back. Like <laughs> things look really shitty here." I'm like, "Hey, I have a broken rib," and you're like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> so yes, yeah, well, and, and the reason why I said, by the way, the reason why I said positively Canada, like. You know, yeah. eons ago, I had that Canadian girlfriend. I remember visiting her in Toronto. She'd go to the doctor. She's like, hey, check this out. Pay attention to what happens. And it was like, we came yeah. into the office. She, she like, showed them her card. They whisked <laughs> her in. She had her appointment. And that was yeah. it. And I was like, wait, you didn't have to fill out, like, a million papers and, yeah. like, throw down your credit card and all kinds of stuff and whatever. No. And, you know, it's uh, CityMD, once you're in the system – Right. You just walk over to one of the terminals. You put your driver's license right. in there. It identifies you, and it shows you all the information. You just have to click on right. to make sure nothing has changed, and then you're in. Well, so now this contrasts a bit with <laughs> with your experience, my experience last night and yeah. in the wee hours of this morning. So um, I don't think I'm violating any confidence here, but well, Lawrence took a careful. nasty Lawrence took a nasty tumble last evening. Yeah, Let's just say that slippery socks, hardwood floors, and stairs are not a good combination, especially when you're holding beef jerky to lure the door the dog down the stairs. Was the anyway, light on or off? Lights are on. Lights are on. Lights are on. Okay, so no connection. Anyway, so I'm I'm all tucked in. I've tucked myself into bed. I got my pajamas on. I got the TV on. I'm 
I'm waiting to drift off to sleep and I hear shrieking. I fell down the steps and I go running and I find Lauren on the floor in the entryway to our house. And the girls are standing there and the dog is like panting. And what she says is that her feet came out from under us and best that we can piece together. Like she came down in that part where like your lower back becomes your butt right on the stairs. And she is on the ground. She can't get up. She's nauseous from the pain. Yeah. And Maddie and I say to each other, well, she's nauseous from the pain. This is not pick her up, put her on the couch, rub some dirt on it and move on with our lives. Right. So I I took, it was like 10 o'clock at night. I took her to the hospital. We got there like, you know, within like 20, 25 minutes. And the first, they're not interested really in how, how she is. Like there's two people we got right away. We go in, there's two people and guys like, okay, I'm going to do some vitals and stuff like that. But the real action is the woman who won. First thing she says is like, give me your insurance card. And like, yeah. gotta make you sure know. you got insurance. Right. And whatever. And then we get through that process and then we get taken into actually. So that guy, the guy who took her vitals and so on and so forth, he's not even the triage nurse. So now this is like 1030 at night. We go into the emergency department. Hold on. I need some more background here. How full was the emergency room? Okay. So when we first came into the hospital, that first stop, we were the only ones. And I was like, okay, cool. This is good. Let me just say. Not realizing what was going to come next. Let me just interrupt you and say this is one of the benefits of being in the suburbs versus New York City emergency room on a Saturday night night and Sunday morning. No, 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 no. So we then get taken to another part of the emergency department Uh and there are people waiting. Like how many? Uh, I'd say like four or five. Any marginal looking people? Yeah, definitely. Um, But then that gets, that's later. So then, and then there are clearly people waiting for people who are being seen in the emergency room. But we get there, there's like one triage nurse. Yeah. And we get, and she's like not moving quickly at all. So she does her thing. And then Lauren's in a tremendous amount of pain. And we're in this like funky kind of uh, wheelchair. And she just, she can't be comfortable in this. Like she's in so much pain. And they stick us back out in this waiting room where all these other people have been waiting. And we sit there for like two hours. I'm sorry. Did she have, did she take anything in that? No, they didn't give her anything. Because they're like, we don't know what tests they're going to take. Nothing. Yeah. So at one point I say to the triage nurse, when she like appears where you can see her, I'm like, you know, she's in really, really terrible pain. Isn't there something that we can do? You know, she's sitting in this wheelchair, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'll call the charge nurse, like nothing. And then like 40 minutes later, someone comes to get Lauren to take her for a CT scan. So she gets CT scanned. Then they're taking us back to the waiting room. I'm like, no. And it's, oh, by the way, it's like 150 degrees. The, the TV is blaring. The chairs that I'm sitting in are so uncomfortable. There's like a shitty candy machine, whatever. But uh, no, was Fox News on the TV? No, 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 no. It, wasn't. it, was, it was the Fox local news, not oh, Fox okay. News. Got it. Got so it. then, but actually, as we get back to the waiting room, they're like, oh, we actually have a bed for her. So okay. we get wheeled in and we get to this part of the emergency room, but there is no bed. It's just like an empty place. And then the same triage nurse is like, oh, let me go find a bed. Like 10 minutes later, she shows up with like wheeling a bed, whatever. And then we just waited. And we the, and then the, there's like one attending. He showed up like an hour and a half later. 
His like CT scans are clean, but we're gonna give you something for the pain. And then they like then the nurse like the like kind of really tried to rush us out of there. I mean, they gave Lauren like a shot of morphine, and then in like a half hour, she was like, "All right, you should be good to go." And it's all DIY. They give me another one of these funky uh, wheelchairs, and I get Lauren like halfway there, and she's like, "I think I'm gonna faint. I'm so dizzy. I'm so dizzy. I'm feel nauseous. Whatever." I turn around, we go back, go back into the same bed. And she lay down for a little while longer. And they gave her fluids. Uh, uh, so anyway, uh, so now now we're talking. We're talking. We first tried to leave at like two thirty in the morning. We come back. We didn't get out of there until like five. But like times. between between like two forty five and five, that's you... when the fire department starts rolling in. Really? With oh yeah, fire department starts rolling in with um, homeless guys. All kinds of funky stuff is going on. Although, one guy, one guy came into the emergency room right after us, and he was in so much fucking pain. He's like, ah, ah. and and like the nurse like did nothing for him. And then finally, they came and they got him and they put him in a room, and like everybody could understand. And so we were actually in a room close to him, and what we we could piece together is he dislocated his shoulder uh, ice skating, uh-huh. but they couldn't get it back in. So they had to like sedate him and so on and so forth. But like, I remember this from when I broke my arm in six places. They first thought, at first the doctors thought without having seen any x-rays, like an attending and like a resident came in. They're like, oh, we're going to pop a elbow or shoulder back in. And then they looked at me and they were like, oh, no, 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 no. But like, it was like big spectator sport. They're going to pop something back in. Yeah. Well, like all these nurses and other people are like gathering to watch this doctor shove this guy's shoulder back. It was like the big event of the evening. Yeah, I can imagine. Did you watch it? So, anyway. What's that? Were you not watching? I wanted to, but I felt like since I'm not medical personnel, this probably was uncool. You're a doctor. Yeah, excuse me, doctor. uh, Dr. Cook here. Uh, So, I'm just observing. So, the emergency department was just awful. Um, yeah. The doctor was very nice, and the nurses were generally pleasant. Like they were doing what they could. Yeah, but it's no but fun. it's a system yeah, that's in no place fun. that is just terrible. So anyway, poor Lauren, she's in a tremendous amount of pain, um, that's and it's in a bad spot. And so she has a doctor's appointment for Tuesday. Hopefully, she'll get one on Monday. But I mean, just bad luck, right? And she never really walks around in slippery socks. She's like, I don't know, why I'm always in bare feet. In she never will again. She never really, I made it a house rule. Like Maddie was walking around in socks earlier. I'm like, you put slippers on or you take those socks right off right now. I'm not going back to that ER. Or you got to carpet the whole house. Which we had and we took it all up because there were beautiful hardwoods underneath. So. Damned if you do and damned if you do and damned. But like it really was, it was, I, I mean, I don't know what to say. Like there was nothing, there was nothing, the people who worked there didn't treat anything like it was an emergency. Now, granted, you know, Lauren didn't have a sucking chest wound. And, you sure, know, she no wasn't one was having shot. a heart attack. She didn't get shot. She didn't get shot. Right. Like, We're she sad. wasn't missing a limb. Right, she wasn't bleeding out. Right, so Yeah, I think, that, I think that if they see that it's not life-threatening in any way, they kind of are blasé. Like, that's <laughs> just like, yeah, we'll get to it. Uh, yeah, and, I mean, and yes, it sucks for you. And obviously, so it sucks I was for like, her. She's like, Lauren kept apologizing to me. I'm like, I'm not mad at you. I'm yeah. mad at the fact that like right. this is the most inefficient, ridiculous thing. And like yeah. again, if if they're gonna if they're gonna create a system where people are gonna have to wait like hours to be seen, 
at least have like a chair that's comfortable. That's not going to happen because these are for-profit enterprises and shit like comfortable chairs cost more money than uncomfortable Dude, chairs. my ass hurt from sitting on it. And they then don't it, like, care about My ass, ass hurt from sitting on the chair next to the bed that she was in it. And it's like five in the morning. I'm standing. I, I'd been up for 24 hours at that point. Except for, my, except for my three minutes pulling the covers up and yep. then looking so excited yep. and psyched about being oh, in Oh, the best laid plans. Ugh. And there you have it. Just terrible. <laughs> it's worse for her than for you. Oh, it's far. I feel so bad. She's in so much pain. Like she can't even get upstairs. That's not good. I hope she gets well quickly. And yeah. The, and the pain medication is doing anything. Well, so because the CAT scans were clear, yeah, they didn't they gave her morphine, good. and then they gave us like these over the counter like patches and Tylenol. I'm like, yeah. and she's like, it's not even touching it. She has some pain meds from when she had um, she had that hip surgery two years ago. And so she took that. She said that was helpful, which is one of the motivations for going to see like the orthopedist tomorrow or, or, right. or Tuesday. so That, she that could, medication hasn't expired? No. She, yeah, because she's been back to see the doctor. And oh, he's I like, see. here, you know, here's another prescription because it does hurt from time to time. I mean, repairing a torn labrum is not – it's not like getting a new hip where you're like, I'm good. No, no Percocets, please. Yeah, you gotta be careful. When I when my arm was busted in six places, they gave me Percocet, and after like it was it was some amount every four hours, and like yeah. after a week, I couldn't do it. I felt myself becoming addicted to it, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to call two friends who've had problems yeah. along these lines, and Lauren and I had to talk to them about like how to get off of it, taper off. Yeah, yeah. and it was like it wasn't like. Okay, it was like very specific kinds of things to eat and so on and so forth, but it was bad. Yeah, it was so no, on no, top of all the other things that I was struggling with. Like the withdrawal from it was not pleasant. Right. So let her not even start with it. That's no, but off. the poor, but the poor kids in pain. And the bitch of all this is that <laughs> we're supposed to go away in early January. Yeah, so for four days, I got invited to give a talk in a lovely place. They're like, bring your wife, bring your skis. Mm, may not happen. I'm either going alone or I'm skiing alone. Yeah, I, I can't see her skiing. In the next no, I can't three either. Weeks. Yeah, she's a good skier. She'll have another opportunity one time. Yeah, it won't be one time soon, but it'll happen. Anyway, I don't know. I just that I, I it's just my again the medical system in the United States. They keep talking about like. Oh, all these electronic – I don't know how many – first of all, I have to fill out like 10 pages in pen and paper. Yeah. Then someone has to transcribe it. And then the nurse comes over and asks the same questions. Yeah, well, what the fuck it is should that? be – I mean, soon enough, we're going to have like medical, like ID, like online, digital – Soon enough when? I've been hearing about that for a long time. It's going to happen. All I mean, these guys it, walk around with their laptops and, and the, the nurses, it's such a pain in this. It's like this giant cart. It's like put your iMac on a cart and walk around with it. It's not even efficient. Like use an iPad or a Surface or whatever. Maybe, maybe your hospital is particularly inefficient. Maybe. It could be. It's the one that Maddie, Maddie actually volunteers at this hospital. And the so, other close one, pull? I was misdiagnosed two years ago. So I was like, we ain't going there. Got to move back to New York City. We have good hospitals. We have City MD. We got it all. All right, man. I'm ready. City MD. I don't know. I, 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 I'm telling you, 
when I came back, I was like, seems like I shouldn't come back. I shouldn't have come back. I mean, where, where's it any better anywhere right now? I don't know. That's the problem. It's pretty bad everywhere. Things are, things are bad. Things are bad. I have a friend of mine was in Morocco and he's like, I don't know. I, he called me before and I'm like, I'm not sure if she'd go, if you go to stay away from like Jewish sites and so on and so yeah. forth. He went to all of them. He's like, I felt safer as a Jew in Morocco while there's a horrible war happening in the Gaza Strip than I do being I a Jew know. in America right now. I didn't have a great experience in Morocco when we were there like 20. Yeah, no, people, people have run into have run into issues in Morocco. Absolutely. We were, we were there in 2000, like yeah. from in like right around now, like December, 1999, January, 2000. Yeah. And, um, it was really not comfortable in a lot of places because, because first of all, it was Ramadan, which is a big mistake to go during Ramadan because everybody's on edge because they can't smoke. Right. Um, and we would go places and we would just be harassed everywhere we went. Like people wanted to show us around. Right. And when I started to tell people like I'm not interested, then they would get angry. And right. Somebody actually like started yelling at me and saying, You are dirt you're bad people, dirty people, Jewish people. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, Oh, this is not right. And, and I got angry and Michelle grabbed me and she's like, you do not want to go to jail right, right. in Morocco. Right, right, right. My parents went to Morocco with like my dad's closest friend for their, their, their 60th birthdays. And they said in one place, my father's friend, Bert, I get, they like were looking at him and saying, Jew, Jew, yeah. Jew, Jew. Good times. Good times. I didn't, I, you know, the last time I was in Morocco, it's actually a long time ago now, but I didn't have any trouble, but I was there under kind of funny circumstances. <laughs> I actually had a colleague and I were escorted through Marrakesh by the King's guard. Yeah. I don't think that we, didn't have, we didn't have any trouble. That's not really a typical experience. No, it wasn't a typical experience. In, in fact, Morocco. I was, um, I spent some time in a jewelry shop in uh, what's called Jimmah Finna. It's the big square and shopping area in, in Marrakesh and negotiating jewelry for Lauren. I found this like beautiful kind of Bedouin necklace I wanted to buy her. And it was going on for my colleague and I were in the shop and these two guys from the King's Guard were outside. And it was going on for a while and we were like going back and forth and I was having a lot of fun with it, but it was taking a while. <laughs> At one point, one of the King's guard. He's like, what, what the hell's going on? Why is this going on so long? He opened the door and the shopkeeper saw that he was with us and he's like, whatever price you want. And I felt so bad. I felt so bad. But you still took whatever price you wanted to give him. He wouldn't take another price. Then I felt bad. I was like, no, 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 let's negotiate. Let's negotiate. He's like, no, what you want. Oh, he knows. He knows the trade. And like anybody, and anybody, anybody who like came over to us, like you're describing people like wanting to show us around or like kind of like mess with us. Those guys, like they kept, they weren't so close to us. They weren't, but they were, so they were like off to the side, 15, 20 feet. And if someone like started to approach us, They'd like make a noise and people yeah. would go scurrying. So you, you, you didn't have a typical. I did, not have, a, yeah. I did not have. I did not have a typical Marrakesh experience. No. But like uh, of all the places in the world right now, where you know it's like, oh, I don't want to be in the states. It'll be better somewhere else. Morocco's not high in the no, list. No, no, no. Would be better. I'm just saying he he made that observation, and I think he said it better than being on a college campus. Um, 
Depends so, which campus. Shit shows, shit shows. Depends um, which campus. Yeah. yeah. It does depend on which campus. Yeah, I we, think it, it seems there was a there's something I read in JI where I think there was a survey that said it was worse on elite campuses. Yeah. Somebody tweeted I think we talked about this, that the lesson of all of this is send your kids to party schools. Which is what our friend Rich has said for a long time. Send your kids to party schools. Listen, Talia is in Delaware. It's like there's nothing going on right. in terms of right, right. Palestine stuff. Nothing. Zero. And I talked to somebody last night. Their kids at University of Rhode Island. Nothing. Right. Nothing. Right. Well, another another thing that, I mean, in addition to like the outrageous cost of college at some of these schools, which can't make them worth it. So they, another thing that speaks to the kind of big state university, land grant universities, especially those that have you know, honors programs yeah. and things like kinds of stuff like that, right? Yep. Much more cost effective. Yeah. I've got a friend from Vassar whose kids went to, uh, went to like a big state school who's like, I couldn't be happier with the kind of resources yeah. that were available to them. And they got all kinds of great things and had terrific experiences. Yeah, like listen, when, when Talia was applying to schools, she didn't really know what she wanted to study. Yeah. And if you don't know exactly what you want to learn, right. you don't have to spend $75,000 right. a year to figure it out. Right, for a brand. Yeah, It may exactly. not even be that good. Exactly. So, but you know, you know um, what? Go figure it out at a cheaper price. I know someone else. <laughs> I know someone else at Vassar. Vassar was part of this thing called the 12 College Exchange. So, you yeah. could go and, like, spend a semester at Harvard. Uh-huh. And I remember she came back and she's like, oh, after that semester at Harvard, I can't get used to how much work we have at Vassar. I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, the hard thing about Harvard is getting Again, in. Yeah, getting in. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, it's a good time for everybody. Yeah. All right. All right. All right, let me go be uh, go Nurse be Nightingale. Nurse yep. Yep. Anyway, all right. What would Talk the male it. equivalent of Florence Nightingale be? Mm, Freddie Nightingale? Freddie? Freddie? Yeah. I don't know. Flow? Flow? Flow Nightingale? I don't know. Whatever. Philip Nightingale? <laughs> Let's go with that. Go whatever it is. Nightingale. Yeah, just go. go let me go wait. Way. Let me go. Like, whatever it is. Just let me go, go hand and foot right now. Yeah, go take care of your wife. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. We're Talk out. to you later. All right. Bye.